This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. I'm your host, Ajit. First of all, I would like to say thanks to all our um, listeners who've reached out to us in the meantime and uh, let us know that they've been missing our episodes, which have been, uh, let's say, fairly regular over the last period at up until the summer months where, well, things got a bit hectic. Giri got a bit busy with work and other things and uh, me with work and also the well, the cricket season, which was already underway. So I got an opportunity to do more than just uh, be a regular player this time. Um, as a captain of a newish team, I had a lot of things to take care of and therefore things got a bit busy and I could not record any more podcasts. So for those of you who've tuned back in, I would like to say thank you and welcome back. Now, if you were to take a look at some of the cricketing games from the recent past, so first of all, we would like to start off with the Australia Women versus India Women series. This is a very enthralling series. What with the Australia Women taking the one-day series 2-1. The test being a very highly exciting draw. Unfortunately, the weather preventing a, a result there. And the first T20I was played today. And uh, unfortunately, again, weather intervened. So the Indian women were doing really well. They were 131 for 4 at the end of... Uh, let's say 15.2 overs. In this case, Jemima Rodriguez was back in the 11, was 49 not out and looking good along with Richa Ghosh, the keeper. Well, the Indian women looked probably good for 160 or more. And from that point on, they could really pile on the pressure and maybe try to clinch this game. So the score is currently 7-5 to five to the Australian women. So the Upcoming two T20s will be very, very interesting. And it remains to be seen who will be the real winner of this series. We have a couple of T20I series that are being held as warm-ups for the World T20 that's going to begin in a couple of weeks. So a couple of these series are underway and both of these are currently in uh, Middle East. So the first one is the United Arab Emirates and Ireland playing a T20I series. So in this case, the first of these T20Is was underway on the October 7th. And in this game, United Arab Emirates were outclassed by Ireland, who, you know, uh, won what seems like a very comfortable game. Because first they bowled and they restricted United Arab Emirates to 123 for 7. From that point on, well, the result was not going to be too, too much in doubt. And indeed... Um, Ireland clinched the match very easily with Paul Sterling making 50 and then Kevin O'Brien who opens with him making 46 and then the captain and then the rest of the batsmen just finishing off the game. So it was mostly down to the Irish bowlers this game and uh, they won it very comfortably. So as it stands, Ireland lead the series 1-0 but well, this is more of a preparation. So the game was held in Dubai and it's sort of acclimatization slash preparation for most of these teams, United Arab Emirates and Ireland, as well as the other game that we have to discuss, which is going to be Sri Lanka versus Oman. 
so another T20I series and in this case this is being held in Oman and the first game that was a T20I held in Al Amirat was won by Sri Lanka but it must be said not very comfortably because they batted first and they had a bunch of newcomers as well. Patum Nisanka was you know promoted to open Dinesh Chandimal the let's say a very well-known face was opening with him but Sri Lanka were 3 for 21 when Patum Nisanka was dismissed with Chandimal and Kamindu Mendes was batting at 3 was dismissed for a duck. But Sri Lanka had the very experienced Avishka Fernando and Bhanuka Rajapaksha who took them forward to about 50 and around 51 Bhanuka Rajapaksha was also dismissed. The remainder of the balls were taken up by a big partnership by Avishka Fernando and Dasun Shanaka, the skipper. They sort of dominated the bowling because eventually the inexperience in the Oman attack began to show. So in this case, I followed this game much more closely. It was live broadcast on YouTube. I really enjoyed watching uh, this T20i. Dasun Shanaka made an unbeaten 51 of just 24 balls. And Avishka Fernando, who was sort of the ballast, played a very good hand to make 83 of 59. So Sri Lanka eventually ended up making 162 for 4. Well, it's always going to be a very tough target for Oman and that's how it resulted because the Oman top order collapsed in a similar manner and it must be said around the 10th over, the two teams were neck and neck, about 50 for 4 each. Bowling of Sri Lanka was a bit more disciplined, must be said. And of course, they had a lot of variety in the bowling and that showed because Nuan Pradeep making a comeback took 2 for 7, Lahiru Kumara took 4 for 30 and Chamika Karuna Ratna took 2 for 28. But, you know, Oman accounted for themselves pretty well, must be said, because Mohammad Nadim made 32 run a ball. But Sandeep Gaud, who came um, as a late middle order batsman, made 17. And then Naseem Khushi, the keeper, made 40 of just 22 balls. So it was pretty interesting. So they reached 143 for 8. So it must be said, probably the dropped catches and those, let's say, wrong lengths that they adapted towards the end of the innings maybe cost them those additional 20 runs and therefore the victory in this game. But all in all, a very encouraging performance if you're Oman. Now, moving on, the IPL is still underway, of course. And in this case, there were a couple of very decisive games today in the IPL. So the 53rd and the 54th match matches of the IPL 2021 were played today. So the first match was 53rd and this was between Chennai Super Kings and Punjab Kings in Dubai. So in this case, Chennai Super Kings have already qualified, we know this, but they were on a downward spiral based on their previous game and they would want to arrest it. So they got a chance to bat first against Punjab Kings and they started pretty decently, but they lost the wicket of Ruturaj Kaikwad and then Moin Ali pretty quickly and therefore they would not really mount much of a total in the power players and Robin Uttapa, who's batting in the middle order these days, could also not provide much of uh, impetus. Ambati Raidu and MS Dhoni followed sweet, but Faf Duplessis remained unbeaten. And him along with Jadeja, who was sort of off-color, must be said, but they both, and then eventually Bravo, took the score forward and Faf Duplessis played a wonderful innings. So I remember reading on Twitter, his first 40 balls, he had just 36 runs. But in the last... 15 to 16 balls, he scored 40 runs and therefore took Chennai Super Kings to a very reasonable total. So, Mohammad Shami did really well for Punjab Kings. He took one for 22. 
Arshdeep Singh was a bit costly, took two for 35. Chris Jordan, used in the middle overs, took two for 20. And then Ravi Vishnoi, the spinner, who's much respected these days, took one for 25. So that left a target of 135 runs. But it was not just a target to be chased down, but as quickly as possible. Because at this stage, in the 53rd game, Punjab Kings were still in the race, it must be said. So they went after the target quickly with Rahul and Agarwal opening up. And even though Agarwal was dismissed for LBW, it must be said that dismissal could have been challenged. It was not. And once he was out, there were a couple of fallow scores with Sarfras and Shahrukh Khan not making much of a contribution. But from one end, KL Rahul never stopped. He kept going and at a striking rate of 233, he scored 98 runs of just 42 balls. And then Aidan Makram and Moses Hendricks helped him wrap up the remainder of the score. Punjab Kings won this game very, very comfortably. They chased down the target of 134 in just 13 overs and they finished 139 for 4. So Deepak Chahar really felt the brunt of the bowling and so did Vin Bravo. But Shardul Thakur, who's been really making strides as a bowler and even as a player in most of the teams he plays these days, contributed taking 3 for 28. So this meant, you know... Punjab Kings did a good thing. They finished with 12 points at the end and their net run rate was just a smidgen under zero. So they were point not not one, but on the negative side. But the next game, the 54th game, well, was a decider as far as KKR was concerned because if they won this game comfortably, there was not a lot to discuss. So KKR would qualify being the fourth team. But on the other hand, if Rajasthan Royals could beat them and maybe beat them comfortably, they gave themselves and the other teams like Mumbai Indians and Punjab Kings a hope. So this game started with Kolkata Knight Riders batting first. And let's say they were a bit circumspect. They only totaled about 44 after the power play and they could not really get away. But what was in their favour was that they never lost any wickets in a clump. So Venkateshwar and Shubman Gill opening made sure they gave their side a strong start, 79. But... It took as much as the 11th over for them to get there. But at that point in time, both batsmen were beginning to hit out. You could see that. And Venkatesh Ayer was dismissed bold uh, Tevatiya for uh, 38. But Shuman Gill went on to make a nice 50, 56 of 44 balls. And then every batter who came hit out or made sure he contributed better than run a ball. So Nitish Rana, 12 of 5. Rahul Tripathi, 21 of 14. Dinesh Karthik and Owen Morgan, who both remained unbeaten on 14 and 13 respectively, just facing 11 balls each. So... Well, Rajasthan would probably feel they conceded, let's say, 20 to 30 runs more because this was a slowish surface and you could see the slower balls were sticking in the pitch. The spinner Rahul Tevatiya took 1 for 11. Glenn Phillips, who was sort of interestingly brought in to probably buy at the wicket of a left-hander, did that, but he was a bit costly. 1 for 17 of just 1 over. But Chetan Sakaria, who's been, let's say, the find as far as the IPL is concerned, took 1 for 23. Chris Morris finished with 1 for 28 in spite of a bit of tap towards the end. So that meant, you know, Rajasthan Royals were chasing 172, but they would also have to chase it quickly. Unfortunately for them, it was not to be because their openers, Yashasvi Jaiswal and Liam Livingston, couldn't give them that start. And number three, Sanju Samson, couldn't do much either. So they quickly slumped to three for 12. And even though Shivam Dube sort of tried and steadied the ship, he did not get a lot of support from the rest of the middle order. Anuj Rawat, Glenn Phillips departed quickly and then Shivam himself was dismissed. So at the end, it was left to Rahul Tevatiya to show a bit of cuts, which he did. But he kept hitting and at the same time, he was running out of partners and Rajasthan Royals were 85 all out. 
So now if you were to look at the table of IPL, it becomes pretty much clear who are the top four that are going to qualify and going to play the qualifiers. So it's pretty much decided by the looks of it because some of the mathematical calculations that really are brought into picture are unrealistic. So it must be said, Mumbai Indians are out. Rajasthan Royals and Sunrisers also are out of the race. Punjab Kings would be really heartbroken to be out of the race, but unfortunately, that's the truth. In this case, probably a couple of really devastating losses earlier in the season hurt them. But the top four teams to qualify, Delhi Capitals, have a game on hand but have 20 points and will unassailably be the top team. Chennai Super Kings will finish second. They have 18. In theory, Royal Challengers Bangalore can sort of overhaul them. But again, that remains to be a mathematical cal- calculation that's very unrealistic. Royal Challengers Bangalore will finish third and Kolkata Knight Riders fourth. RCB have 16 and KKR have 14 points. So this basically means the top four are decided and the remaining games are going to be just more or less a formality to be wrapped up. So we look forward to the qualifiers in the upcoming episodes. So we'll keep you posted on that. Now, if you were to go further, and take a look at the other T20 tournament that's currently in progress. So it's the National T20 Cup in Pakistan. And they are again approaching the end of the regular league games. So the four teams that have sort of separated themselves from the pack at the end of um, today's play, which is 7th of October, are Central Punjab, who have eight matches but five wins and are comfortably up in front. The remaining three teams are all locked on eight points. Some have played six, like Khyber uh, Pakhtunkhwa and Northern and Sindh have played seven. But nonetheless, these four teams have clearly separated themselves from Southern Punjab and Balochistan. So that leaves these four teams to qualify and maybe play for the semifinals, barring some really strange results in the upcoming games. But it must be said, uh, I really don't think Southern Punjab and Balochistan have it in them. Balochistan, however, did have a big victory today and they have uh, enough games in hand that they could cause an upset. But they would still need many of the results to go their way to you know, leapfrog into the top four ahead of somebody like Northern or Sindh. So we'll also keep you posted on the closing stages of this tournament. Now, if you were to go forward, there are a couple of interesting news from the cricketing world that we can also cover today. So one is that Ian Watmore, the chairman of PCB, has stepped down with immediate effect. There has been quite a lot of criticism of Ian Watmore in the recent days. One, because the way the tour of Pakistan was cancelled, where, you know, government of England and the players association separating themselves and therefore um, all the pressure sort of fell on what more also the discussion whether the Asher series will even go ahead or not all of these things was a bit difficult to handle and it turns out he's decided to step down less than a year into his post as ECB chairman so what more was one of the first ECB chairman or one of the first top executives of the ECB to be paid a salary. It looks like he, this job is completely different to his expectations. Therefore, he's decided to step down and also it could be that maybe a word was is whispered in his ear in terms of redundancy so that, you know, a certain amount of expenses could be shared and uh, also maybe banked as far as EP, ECB is concerned. This remains to be seen as around the world we see a lot of changes in management with Ramiz Raja stepping in as the chairman of PCB and uh, Basim Khan stepping out as the CEO. So there have been some changes going on in the top bodies in world cricket. And it remains to be seen whether, you know, what this means in terms of change for these boards. But before we wrap it up, 
as a good news if you are a fan who wants to go and watch the world t20 games well 70% of the seats will be occupied by fans who want to watch the world t20 in the middle east so it will it's going to be jointly co-hosted between united arab emirates and oman both these teams being uh, the teams which would play the qualifiers to try and qualify for the main rounds if if you are going out there to reach out to us let us know we are very curious to hear how the conditions are in these countries and how it is to watch cricket there that's all from this episode of the amchar cricket podcast we would like to thank you for your continued patronage and uh, we hope uh, to have your company in the upcoming episodes thanks a lot and wish you a good day wherever you are bye bye this is the amchar cricket podcast <laughs>